welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we'll be talking about room automation and how the room around us can make us healthier and more productive on a daily basis. I'm joined today by Jonathan Copley, a Marketing Manager for Room Automation at Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's great to be here, John. The room around us, the environment that we're in, how could it make us healthier or how could it make us more productive? It's interesting to start by looking at what room automation has done in the past. We've really focused on energy efficiency, John, creating uh, the most efficient possible room to save energy, reduce CO2 emissions and so on. Okay. But what we're seeing is that it can go far beyond that. We talk about going beyond energy efficiency mm -hmm. in room automation. So going beyond <laughs> saving energy, saving costs, and looking at the operational and seeing what else we can do with the space our users sit in. That's exactly right. We call it people-centric room automation. And you might wonder what that means. If you think about it, the biggest cost in any building is the people, their salaries. and. Most often, the value of the salaries is 100 times or more the value of the energy saving. And the question comes up, how can we get more from these people? Because in the end, the tenants of buildings, they're not there to save energy. They're there to make a profitable business or an efficient organization. Because I've seen in the past, <laughs> and please correct me if I'm wrong, but this, this triangle where they say, you know, three euros is the energy cost and 30 euros is the rent and the, the running cost, but 300 euros is the cost of the people and the, the staff within an organization. Yeah, that's exactly right. Although it's dollars rather than euros uh, in this particular case. Yeah, but anyway, okay. the relationships are yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah, uh, yeah re the rent is often 10 times uh, the value of the energy that's consumed in the building. Uh, the people are normally 100 times, sometimes much more. If it's a bank, for example, or a hospital with expensive stuff, it can be much, much more than 100 times. And the question is, how can we lever that value? Yeah, well, if we save 1% one, <coughs> 1 or $1 uh, with the people or improve their productivity by 1%, this is multiplied 100 times. That's exactly right. Yeah. You have a huge leverage, value lever, mm -hmm. if you can increase people's productivity, reduce their absenteeism. This has a very, very big impact. Okay. And... Sounds like a great story. I like it. Let's do it. How do we do it? What, to, what can we work on? Well, we sometimes talk about the four pillars of a healthy and productive indoor climate. Mm -hmm. And that means controlling CO2, carbon dioxide, uh, VOCs, these are poisons uh, in the air called um, volatile organic compounds. Mm -hmm. um, we also want to control humidity and increasingly this fine dust air pollution that everybody is reading about in the newspapers. So fine dust air pollution, this is the smog we see in major city centers, you know, often in you know, Beijing or, or Delhi or something like this. This is right. I think a lot of people, when they hear about air pollution, they think of people in China going to work on their bicycles or on foot wearing masks and looking really sad and unhappy. But actually, this is a problem also in Europe and the United States. Uh, many cities have average levels of air pollution, PM 2.5, that's uh, two, three, four times higher than the recommended maximum by the World Health Authority. So every, well, many of our major cities have this same issue. And, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but this, as we, we get more urbanisation urbanization with our, with our uh, demographics, as people start to move more and more to cities to find work and to find a lifestyle, 
I can only imagine that this will continue to grow as an issue. That's absolutely right. Uh, the, the trends that come from Asia are now hitting Europe and uh, employers want to provide a healthy workspace for their employees. We did this in Siemens in China, where we guaranteed our employees a, uh, a healthy level and spent a lot of money uh, achieving that. And other corporate organizations are going to be moving in the same direction too, John. Okay. So, so we have this healthy and productive or this human-centric automation, and we have these four pillars that we control. It's something that we'll probably talk about a little bit more in some more detail at some point. But overall, what are the, the levels of, of benefit that we can see? What's a, a generalization or, a, or an overview of what we can achieve if we take this approach? Well, let's look at CO2 as an example. Uh, what we see, especially in meeting rooms, is that the levels of CO2 uh, go to a very high level. When people are breathing out, though you might have 12, 15, this 20 people in a we room. Were talking about, this right? is yeah. the hot air. Yeah, yeah. And Ask yourself, what, was, what, what is the consequence of this very poor air quality? You've probably been yourself in a meeting room and you found it increasingly difficult even to stay awake. Your eyes keep closing, uh, you're not able to concentrate, maybe even drifting in and out of sleep. This is almost certainly because the CO2 levels in the room so are far too high, John. It's not because the presentation is, is boring? Or? Well, it can be that okay. too, but, but normally it's the CO2. Okay. And what we've seen from many recent research studies is that your productivity, your ability to make decisions, your ability to understand and analyze data can fall by 90% or more in a building wow. that has no effective ventilation and consequently CO2 control. Okay. So even just at the, the highest mm -hmm. level, just this one simple pillar of the four, which I can imagine all four of them have quite a significant impact. This is a huge uh, ability to, to make differences to the, the production of someone. That's absolutely right. And uh, there's not been so much awareness of this in the past, but there are a lot of publications out there now. Uh, even Harvard Business Review is talking about it. You read about it in the newspapers. That's in addition to all the scientific research. So th there's a lot of awareness of the benefits of having proper ventilation in buildings and consequently control of CO2 and uh, other climate parameters that affect your performance. So that's the productivity angle. How about the healthy angle? You talked about humidity and you talked about fine dust. How do we control these? Well, uh, fine dust is an interesting one. Uh, what you typically do in an existing building is monitor the situation, see what the levels of fine dust air pollution are in the building. And then a first step could be to improve the filters in your ventilation system. Uh, that normally solves the problem, but if not, you can then move on to the next stage, which is air purification. You have room by room an air purifier, which takes the bad air out of the room, filters it, and pumps clean air into the room. But the first step is knowing about it, right? So Absolutely. we have to measure initially and then understand the, the areas where it's in the right levels, where it's acceptable and where it's not, and then take action from there. That's right. I mean, you measure in the room. You can also, of course, measure the fine dust air pollution in the ducts where the air is coming in from outside. And increasingly, uh, there are other ways of, of looking at the problem. Um, there's a lot of data from the city itself, individual measurement stations around the city. Uh, in future, it will even be possible to, to see a wave of pollution coming towards the building. You can then batten down the hatches uh, and, okay. and protect your employees from this 
this bad air wave that's coming. Okay, so understand what's coming in the external part of the world because this is the issue as well. If we say inside is not acceptable and, and we need fresh air, mm-hmm. if the air outside is the same or worse, then this can't fix the problem by itself. So we have to that's be aware right. of what happens outside as well as what happens inside. That's right. Another good one to talk about is volatile organic compounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, many people aren't aware of this problem, but these, these are volatile chemicals uh, that are damaging to the health. And they come from uh, paint, they come from cheap carpets, office furniture, office equipment and and cleaning materials, for example. And usually the level of these poisonous chemicals is many times higher inside than outside. And they cause all sorts of problems like dizziness, headache, general unwell feeling, uh, sore throat. And often people don't really understand why they're feeling so bad. Mm. Uh, However, if you control the, C, the VOCs, if you measure and control and increase the ventilation, if the situation is bad inside the room, inside the building, then you can really protect your staff, make them feel better and also less likely to be absent. Which is a huge impact mm-hmm. as well. This is a, a liability that every company has to be aware of. That's right. And your fourth pillar, we had four pillars, we've talked about three, humidity. Yeah. Humidity, that's also something really worth considering. Not many people realize this, but the level of humidity, of course, it it, uh, affects your comfort. If the humidity is too high, you feel uncomfortable. What it also does, though, is affect the rate of virus transmissions. We've all been in the office in the winter and had colleagues coughing and sneezing, uh, creating droplets full of viruses in the air. I could go into a lot of detail about this, but uh, cutting it short, If you have um, air that's in in the medium range of humidity, between 40 and 60 Mm -hmm. percent, the viruses are uh, as efficiently as possible deactivated and you have fewer problems with absenteeism, one colleague catching another colleague's flu. So too humid Mm -hmm. and the, the virus can travel further and stay and be transmitted more easily. Yeah. Too low in the humidity stakes? Yes, if it's too dry, um, the viruses, uh, they, they stay active for a long time, mm-hmm. but also because it's dry air, the little droplets <coughs> become smaller and smaller, yep. stay in aerosol for a longer time. Right. And consequently, there's a much higher probability of being exposed to this virus. Okay, so we need to stay in <coughs> this medium range, which is 40 to 60. 40 to 60%. 40 to 60% yes. relative humidity, and then mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to reduce that risk. Exactly. Too dry has other problems as well, of course. So it affects yeah, your sometimes. eyes, makes, your, makes it difficult to see your computer screen. It's uh, something really that you need to think about, John. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us here on Buildings of Tomorrow. Please feel free to like, comment or share this episode and ensure to subscribe to us here on this channel. We'll see you again soon.